0: If you're an average player, you wanna be left alone, all right? Cause you wanna be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you wanna be coached. If you're a great player, you want to coach and tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You wanna know every play. Cause you know why? They wanna be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things.
1: Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio at VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. we got a great show for you today. It's part two. Uh, With John Donovan Uh and we're excited about that always at the table my good friend without his sprinter he's left it for his employees to use today he's building his brand every day now with his own clothing line the CEO of the goat family of brands Tyler Burnett Tyler thank you for being here and to the left pausing for the cause all the way from Brentwood Uh, they call him the LinkedIn Whisperer. He's the calming force to our show. Sometimes he likes to start and stop the show. John Byers. John, so glad that you could be here with us today. Thank you. And to my far left, uh, John Donovan, who who came in and last minute jumped in the boat, the canoe with us. Uh, mm. He doesn't like to be called a learning scientist, but he's somebody that helps people succeed through learning strategies. And such a great uh, story in, um, in part one of spending time with you. We are... The GOAT Consulting Podcast, we serve it up in a way that you can get it. And, John, you're helping us do that even more today. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. Our 30s, we move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because people like Tyler are that good. Stay with us. In our 50s, we say this is what we really want. We hope you say that today. A GOAT, in sports, it's easy to see. It's people that's recognized for their greatness. They elevate the play of those around them. But in business, it's people like John Donovan that compete on unique perspective. Unique education and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy, creating a new child levels of challenge and opportunity. And uh, we had some great conversation around how people continue to develop and grow and learn. And you have some real defined thoughts about how you can do that, how you can truly help people learn. We talk about education, and we talk about learning, And we talk about training, and these are words that are used interchangeably, Mm -hmm. but but you believe that there are specific pieces to both the environment and skill sets that are needed Mm -hmm. in the world today. So that people can go out and and learn within the environment, and then go out and be successful in other environments, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that today. I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, I just want and to let comment. You take once, it from there.
2: Yeah, I just want to kind of, thank you. Comment once more on the beard; uh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and um, I also need to say that if you have not listened to part one of this, please pause, go back and listen. It's worth your time to kind of tee up some of this that we're going to talk about.
1: Well, and we always love Dev Digital. They're, they're, the, the, they're supporting they would encourage us. us
2: to listen to episode one. Absolutely,
1: also. every step of the way. In yeah. fact, if you go back to uh, episode the first episode here with John, you'll hear about Dev Digital you and will. the great they're, work they do
2: digitizing the world. And uh, by the way, you can listen to that <clears throat> part one episode on any platform that you listen to podcasts That's or right. iTunes or Google and Amazon and
1: video YouTube. List well, goes on and on. It's on and on. Take it from there.
2: There we go. John, good to have you back. Thanks. Thank you. And you teed that up so well, Colby, where you talked about the, the characteristics and the skill set. So I would love for you to kind of walk us through, and I'm assuming you might walk start as you did earlier in the four characteristics for a learning environment. Mm-hmm. Share that with us. And where did that come from? Yeah, it's, it's really
0: from a lot of research and there's it's contained in a variety of different publications national academy of sciences national science foundation funded research that um, one of my early companies uh, that I was involved in was paid to commercialize and it was a spin off the learning science institute at vanderbilt university and they had recently been involved in development of research and publication of a book called how people learn brain mind experience in school and it's free. It's available at the National Academy of Sciences Press. You can get a PDF downloaded for free. It's you know, Everybody paid for it. It's tax dollars. But um, uh, that gets into the nature of mastery and routine expertise versus adaptive expertise and intuitive performance, uh, things that help differentiate the goats within workplaces yeah. and teams and things like that. Um, when you think about – so when I, when, I, when I describe the four ingredients that make a learning environment – successful and fun and engaging, something that people actually want to participate in. And those can be in workplaces, sometimes in schools, in family environments. But there's four ingredients. And those four ingredients are knowledge, something that's worth learning, that mm-hmm. people actually will help them be- become successful in, in whatever pursuit. Uh, there's the learner. There is being respectful of what the learner brings to the experience. You know, they're not a blank slate. They've got their own um, level of experience or knowledge and background, and you want to pull that into the environment so that you you respect them as individuals, which makes it engaging. Um, there's assessment. It's finding ways to ask questions and figure out where the audience or that learner is. And with those questions, that helps to calibrate the way you dose and 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 how deep you go on knowledge. Because if you say, you know what, <clears throat> we're talking about baking cakes, everybody here's a baker, we can cut right to the, you know, we'll go from recipes right into decoration. You know, there's, there's ways that you can um, adjust the amount of content based mm. on where your audience is coming from and yep. assessments the way it gets you there. And then... Um, uh, community. Commu- community. Community. There is no self-made anybody. Everything that you learn has to sooner or later be applied in the real world. It could be the workplace, the family, what have you. And without that community, that that chance to sort of practice and then get immediate feedback from other members of the community or shared experience from other members of the community, it doesn't stick. It's like watching you know, a TV show and then deciding I'm going to think I'm going to learn to do something now. Until you have a, pr- a
2: practice environment, it doesn't work. That that seems. So you've got well, just real quick. Yeah. Right? Knowledge centric, learner centric, assessment centric, and community centric are the four characteristics for learning. Uh, yep. Creating or having a learning environment.
1: Yep. It, it seems um, complex. It seems overwhelming when John starts, to, John Byers starts to frame up those centrics. But But when you say things like this, something worth learning, mm-hmm. tell me and show me an example of something that was worth learning in a case that you used where you said, this is what this audience needs to know.
0: Oh, that's, that's every engagement I've ever had, that's where we start.
1: What's worth learning?
0: What's worth learning and how are we going to measure success? How will we know when yeah. we've hit the mark? Yeah. And, and so then it becomes a conversation with leadership and members of the teams to say, what's going to make you successful? So for a large technology services company that's based out in Washington State, a conversation with them about how they can engage with customers because their big problem was on the Salesforce side, they would roll up to a school or a company and say, hi, I'm from blank. How much do you want to buy? And what do you know if other technology companies said, you know, I think we can do this do a better job because you're kind of turning off whoever you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You need to think about a solution. So we flipped the culture on that and said, you know what, let's change the way you go, out, you, you go about selling your products and services. Yeah. Let's examine who's really good at doing this. And then what they figured out was the people who answered open-ended questions and then sat back and listened were tremendously successful. Superficial credibility, your reputation, who you work with, the background, how you dress, how you act, how you carry yourself, all helps to introduce, you know, create a conversation with whoever you're talking to.
2: You can screw that up, by poor tactics, well to me, I would uh, what I, how I translate what you just said mm-hmm. all that maybe get us get us to somewhere some, to some destination. Mm-hmm. It, it's not what connects us. Absolutely. And I believe that we are all designed, there's probably very probably more than, than we know how we're like than different. And yep. one of those certainly, one of those ways is we are all designed to connect. With one another. Yes. And what I hear you saying is, well, maybe let me not even say that. Maybe you share. Because how do do you bring this down to a human level? Because the real environments for learning, as I would connect with it, would be a way that connects me to other people and to relationships.
0: Mm -hmm. And you can create a learning environment anywhere. It could be a campsite. It could be a family, it could be a workplace, but if you ing- include those four ingredients and think in, the, in terms of those four ingredients, people are going to want to participate. They're going to feel respected. They're going to want to share. It, it's it's not a difficult thing to do, and it's a thing. It's those are the ingredients that when we think about in our own histories, what did I really enjoy learning? All of those ingredients were there.
1: And you said it's so easy that cavemen can do it. And you also said that that learning is about a two-way communication. Absolutely. But yet, every learning environment that we see in traditional education delivery methods, right? It's one way. The
0: industrial, the industrial revolution and World War II set the stage permanently changed the way learning was done in yeah. classrooms. Before that, the you know the, the one-room classroom or. A more uh, so sort of Renaissance style of learning that that did questions or Socratic method allowed for question and answer to to kind of figure out what people's interests were and then uh, and then dose the information for them. That was spoiled when during the Industrial Revolution and in World War II we need people who to, to who could go to assembly lines and do tasks. Yeah, and so we they mistakenly thought well we can use an assembly line approach to education
1: as well. And now when you say respect the learner, what, what the first thing I think about is if you really want to connect, when John talks about connecting with somebody, the very first thing you have to respect is the amount of technology and the amount of multimedia that they've had access to since the day they were born. And that's what you're competing with on a daily basis and how you connect with them to tell that story. Does that what you mean when you say respect the learner? What does it mean?
0: Respect the learner is looking at them holistically. There is no blank slate. Everybody has some body of experience they're bringing mm. to the situation.
1: And to figure out what it is that they bring to that situation yeah. and connect with those points mm-hmm. in a way that allows them to say, hey, I'm here to help you get better.
0: It's as simple as asking them an open-ended question to start with. Yeah, It's it's that sort of the flipped classroom or it's a problem-based learning or case-based learning or challenge-based learning. All They're all variations of the Socratic theme. What do you need at this point in time, to achieve a particular objective. Gotcha.
2: All of this is really being curious. Exactly. Right? I mean, it's, it's and again, it's just come up even recently. One of the episodes <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of season two, we talked about Ted Lasso, and one of the things that came up out of that is how he kind of revived this quote from Walt Whitman around mm-hmm. be curious, not judgmental, right? Yep. And so all of this is designed around honoring our own curiosity, leaning into our own curiosity and respecting, you know, others' curiosity yep. along the way. And and there's this article that that you had sent us and it, it talks about when participants were highly curious about a fact, they were thirty percent more likely to recall it. Absolutely. Which on the surface, I mean, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. like thirty percent is that is that it or is that like what, what is it otherwise? Like if we weren't curious, we're being forced to learn oh, something that we may not be curious about, it's much lower. Oh, yes.
0: If you're not curious about it, and curious is that first level of engagement, that cognitive engagement. If it sparks an interest in you, if it's placed in a context that's meaningful to you, you begin integrating that new information with your own base of experience. So if I ask you a question and frame it in a way that's meaningful to your success, your health and happiness, then you're going to be far more likely to remember it, which is why storytelling is such an effective way hmm. for creating engagement with an audience of learners. Storytelling, question and answer, is really the key. Once you have, and it doesn't take a lot a lot of time, you can you can yeah, yeah. tell a story in 30, 45 seconds, have a beginning, middle and end, yeah. 250 words, and character development... But you've created a problem space or a, or an opportunity that
2: engages the audience emotionally and cognitively. One and, and that article also said curiosity can also increase our patience, which absolutely, which is why we love stories, right? Because they engage us, and it, you know, I guess the better the story, the better the storyteller, the more it piques curiosity, the longer we can hang on to that, absolutely, to that story in a way. So I
3: need to get more curious. My patience sucks.
2: there we go sorry
1: when we first met the thing that that brought me into the fold with the conversation with you that kept me engaged and kept my curiosity moving forward and kept me able to be patient and listen and not talk (laughs) is that you said that our brains are hardwired to ask questions Mm -hmm. our our brains are a,
0: a problem solving engine I'm sorry. Yeah, that's our, all we do. Yeah, all day long from the time we were born. Yeah, it's how it's looking at the world in terms of a problem to be solved. And do I have the tools to do that? Yeah. To what extent do I get those tools supplemented by my environment?
2: So can we can we talk about um, something that's been coming up for me a lot lately is people that finish other people's sentences. <laughs> And so I want to ask you about this. Like what's
1: really on this. What
2: keeps someone from allowing some other person to let them finish their sentence? Have you studied, researched any of this in your learning? Because I feel like it fits right into curiosity increases our patience. What keeps somebody from allowing someone to finish their sentence and not feeling like they need to get in and insert or finish it for them or try to guess what they're saying? Outside of an MRI, I could really
0: <laughs> describe the mechanics of it, but I believe, and probably some research to back it up, is that the human mind is looking for patterns in the data. And so if you, patterns can be conversation, it can be the weather outside, it can be pieces of a jigsaw puzzle on the, on the table, but... This problem-solving impulse that people have hardwired into their brain wants them to complete sentences because they think, based on the data that they're given, I know where your story's going. I know how to answer that question for you because my mind's already there. Let's get on the table and go on the next thing. I don't like
2: it. <laughs> I don't like it, though. I know, it's a drag. I'm sorry. Well, we can, we can talk so, after but,
1: class. But it <laughs> is, it, it's patterned. And, and our brains are hardwired for patterns. We,
0: yeah, we are pattern recognition engines. What? We're looking for things we know and don't know from the patterns. Yeah.
2: What what do do you, do you do it what? keeps somebody from being able to be curious, though, right? Like, if I'm curious about what some, someone, something somebody is saying, I'm not going to try to jump in and guess. Well, yeah, it can shut
0: off your audience big time. You know, whoever you're the, the the participant in the conversation stops being a participant when when they get short-circuited mm. yeah by a driver in the conversation and I've seen it happen plenty of times in leadership development programs I've helped to create where you have you bring in the expert and the expert get in the front of the room and think my job is to hold forth I share all my pearls absolutely you. and I don't really care where you are because all my stuff is gold and the audience is thinking I yeah. I, I want to know how to sell something or, you know, I want to know how to use the photocopier.
2: Maybe part of the reason you don't like to be called a learning scientist. What it, well, it does create a
0: picture in somebody's head that makes them think, wait a second, have you ever actually been to a job site? You know, if you don't understand what yeah. people actually do in the job. And and I, there's a, there's a personality, there's a, there's a performance I call the everyday expert. We are surrounded by everyday experts. And our job is to help... It, we, we can make our lives simpler if we recognize the everyday experts and ask them questions or,
2: or trust them to you know, get the job done. Can I ask one other question, just a, a personal question I've been sitting with for myself lately, and I've tried to, tried to not go there, is to ask the question why? Because I read that the United States is one of the only countries in the world where people ask why so much. Every other country views why as an indictment. It's wow. like an accusatory thing. Yeah. And so I try to, I'm trying to be more attentive to my own self and mm-hmm. asking questions, not why, like, why did you do that? Or mm-hmm. why this or that? It, maybe ask it a little differently. Like what keeps someone from finishing mm-hmm. someone else's sentences mm-hmm. or what keeps someone from allowing someone to finish other sentence, right? Like, as opposed to why do you do that? Does that make sense? Does that fit into this conversation? Like, actually, it does because I had a conversation.
0: I've had that conversation a number of times
2: with organizations,
0: particularly global. Global audiences are very, very obviously different because language and culture and things like that. But in America, we have a unique cultural tradition where "why" is perfectly fine. In fact, we begin with "why," because "why" is the primary method of engagement. If you can, if you can, create, we're taught that. We are. And it's because it's because as a, as a country we're fairly young, and our culture is all about how do we solve the problems that we're confronted with. Not we've not inherited too many yeah I'm, some, some basic rules, but how those are applied, we, you know, we're still a relatively frontier country, and we have a frontier thinking.
2: I'm finding that there's more ways to, to to engage around what I'm wanting to know with asking why, that makes it a more interesting way to to oh, ask absolutely. it. So like like tell me more about that as opposed to why do you do that, right? It's more like I'm trying to find more ways that don't sound in some way accusatory that maybe maybe gives an invitation to be more free in your response as opposed to more defensive in the response. What do Is most
3: most people grow up doing playing sports, right? We're competitive. So I, I agree with your approach there. If you come at me with why and I'm being passionate about this is what I do. And you're like, why I'm
2: probably going to come back like this mm. instead of I'm going to compete. Right. Yeah, tell Naturally. me more about that. Like, tell me, <laughs> tell me like what makes you do it that way? Like what That's, that that kind of thing is yeah, what I'm yeah, trying to get yeah, if, if you just said why, then I'm probably going to compete
3: and pounce versus if you said, tell me more about that. Mm. I may show you the, even more passion about why I do that. And then we can get to the bottom of it. But I know that that happens in my household. Like, if if uh, one of the kids or my wife approaches me in a certain way, I naturally compete
1: mm.
3: versus pausing and taking in that information and then acting how I want to act versus <laughs> how I do act. Uh, so that's something that I know that I've, I've seen. I go back and say, why did I act like that? And it's because I'm what? a
2: natural-born competitor. Maybe it's what makes me act like that.
0: Yeah. Well, wh- why? <laughs>
2: What about me? What about me? Like, I'm asking these questions of myself, and so yeah. when I hear you say it, I'm, I'm trying to think of it if in my own the same way, right? Yeah. Well, why is invitation for a story? What is a process?
0: Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to need to sit with that. It's, it's the tone. Part of it's the tone. If you say, well, why? If you say, well, that's interesting, Why? Yeah, it's, it's all in the delivery, but but why really is, it's focused on circumstances and personal experience, and it's not necessarily saying, tell me your rule based behavior behind this thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is, you know. Well, wh- why 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 would you think that way, or why would you th- what was the thought process behind that? But you know, it, why it's just a different level of of um, interaction.
2: So you talk about these five skills, and I feel like this is kind of all embedded in the very things that we're talking about. Can, yep. can you walk us through that? Sure. And and would you describe it as the five skill sets that we all need to have, are critical? to? How would you describe it? National Academy of Sciences and National Science
0: Foundation calls those the five 21st century skills. And those are the skills that are required to be successful in any 21st century workplace. So, okay. Uh, in, in fact... There aren't many now that aren't 21st century workplaces because we're all working in teams to solve problems. Yeah. Period. So, those twi- five 21st century skills are number one, adaptability. Okay. The ability to, to recognize change and then embrace it. Nonlinear thinking and problem, in, 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 uh, and problem solving. So, it's how to think outside the box, how, not, how to go beyond the rules. Self management and self education. The ability to recognize when you don't understand something, find new information for, you information know, to supply that, and then integrate with your pro- within within your uh, your experience base. Systems thinking, which is the ability to look at systems and si- systems of systems and how those systems interrelate, so you understand what your part is or how you can influence a part, and that part influences others to produce a, an outcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then complex communication, the ability to take sophisticated problems or break those down into simple terms using a variety of different types of communication, text, you know, voice, written, to then in an effective manner communicate with an, with an audience of peers, teammates, or mm-hmm.
3: colleagues. It's amazing how many different fe- um, formats you see that communication in now in corporate America, Microsoft Teams, and Slack, and all the different for and they're texting and calling and emailing and Slack and yep. and it's I've kind of battled that you know how do I better communicate with my entire team and mm-hmm. man there's just so many different platforms you can go but almost everybody doesn't like change yep and goes back to texting calls mm-hmm. that's just what
2: they're comfortable with in a lot of ways Keith Ferrazzi in his most recent book he which is uh, Leading Without Authority talks about. New work rules versus mm-hmm. old work rules, right? Yep. And yep. it's also kind of showcased in this article that we that I've referenced a few times that mm-hmm. you sent us. Um, but one of those things is we need to get rid of the terminology, stay in your lane. Yes. And he talks about it in this book in such a way that it's get out of your lane, bring value. Old work rule, stay in your lane. New work rule, get out of your lane, bring value. It's mm-hmm. almost attached the two together. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hear that coming out in what you're. Yep. Describing here, what would you say about that? Well, and I think stay in your lane and um,
0: stay in your lane, be a team player, understand your role. Um, you know, a lot of those concepts get muddied when, when actually the intent is in order to be good at something, you need to practice enough doing that something. So that you can do it consistently and intuitively and effectively and efficiently. Yep. So that's somewhat a lane. But Back sy- to
2: your GOAT definition. Yep.
0: Yeah. But systems thinking says you got to understand how all those other pieces fit together. So does my... You know, obviously, I want to stay in my swim lane because I don't want to impinge upon somebody else's performance. And so understanding how their performance and my performance are related and interact with each other. So that's more of a global perspective. So... Staying in your lane on a performance side is a helpful discipline to think of, okay, this is how I'm going to get good at what I do and do those things, but I have to understand how what I do impacts others and have enough curiosity to say, well, you know what? If I can do this, I can, I can transfer those same skills and that knowledge and that attitude into other areas as well. You don't want to, you don't want to limit thinking because limited thinking allows people to make mistakes you, and, and uh-huh. you know, the uh, critical path and the cascade of events all, are all often because people stay in their lane tremendously effectively to the exclusion of all others, and
1: so the truck drives off the cliff. Yeah. St- stay in your lane, but, but know where the interstate's going to take you.
2: Yeah, that's we like, look at it. It's like the episode of The Office when Michael and Dwight are driving, and he follows the GPS right into the lake because the GPS is saying "turn left here." And Dwight's like, "Don't do it!" Like, there's a lake in front of him, and he drives right off into the lake. Exactly. That's it, right?
1: Yeah. Why Don't do you Why do you
3: think some people are better problem solvers than others? Because you said the brain is hardwired to solve problems. What? what any idea? Have you had any research on? Oh, yeah. While some people are better problem solvers than others,
0: there's a lot of research. So outside of any kind of sort of environmental or, or or physiological challenge, say it's a normal operating system, mm-hmm. a, a lot of it is culture, and that culture is maybe starts at the family and then is nurtured or impeded by formal educational activities, uh, family events. Um, cultural norms.
1: Wouldn't you say impeded more than cultured? I mean, more than cultivated. Oh, you know, it really depends. Um,
0: I'm not sure it's, it's that universal, but but certainly, if you look at, there are there's certainly a lot of research on traditional educational environments. Well, here here's limiting
1: creativity. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the questions, and there's one answer it's on the back of the book and page forty-seven. Yeah, right, absolutely. And that's the education system that most people that are in their 40s and 50s grew up in. Yes. And that's effective if
0: you're learning the rules, but very poor if you're learning creativity and problem solving. Yeah.
2: And, and how to uh, uh, have adaptive experience. Absolutely. But right? do you think
1: that, Tyler asked a really good question. Do you think that, that problem solving for everyone begins at home and how they're scripted at home to to address problems that they find in their own life? Problem solving
0: starts at birth.
1: And Doesn't everything? And, and,
0: and, yeah. A lot of it is. It's the environment they grow up in, you know, up until school, that's your entire life. Yeah. And so you're getting feedback from your environment constantly. And if someone tells you, you know what, I get that for you.
1: Yeah.
2: So one of the ways, uh, John, that we uh, honor our guests, and I'm fascinated to see where this turns into based on this great conversation, but we, we have this segment that we call The Things We Think and Do Not Say. And it comes from Jerry Maguire at beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. He writes, the mission statement. It's not a memo, and it's called "The Things We Think and Do Not Say." Yes, we usually fill in the gap for the rest of that. But I was <laughs> I was inviting you to do it. But the future um, of our the business. Future of our business. <laughs> we we kind of talked about this very briefly before the episode. You you said something that uh, you talked about the the topic of training, and how. That's not a used thing anymore. Can yeah. you talk about, maybe yeah. tee that back up okay. in some of the language you use, because I don't want to share all of it. It's fascinating.
0: The, one of the third rules, third thir, me, third rails in the learning world is the term training. Because dogs are trained and people learn. Mm.
1: What does that mean, to third rails? Dogs are trained,
0: the, people are learned. On the, are learned. On the subway system, that third rail has the power in it. Okay. So, if you actually find yourself on the tracks of a subway, don't touch the third rail. Don't touch the third rail. You, you, you pop like popcorn.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> so, do- dogs are trained and people learn. Yes. And it's it's training and learning is often, you mentioned earlier on, training and learning is often used interchangeably. And it's not really the same thing. Yeah. Because people have a different perspective when they apply the term training. I'm going to train you yeah. in something. Well, That discounts what the audience brings to the situation Mm. often. If you look at it as a learning activity and as part of a continuum of learning across your life, I'm going to help you learn a new skill, a new task, a new process, and I'm going to help you integrate that with other things that you do. It's not a discrete event. Training is often considered a discrete event it's time bound. It's got an outcome. It assumes you know nothing, and that you're a widget in the system. And I'm going to give you just the right stuff, and not encourage you to think creatively about how are you going to use that. It's a so, cool concept
3: because I'm promoting a guy on Friday, and his title was going to be Master Trainer. Ah, uh-huh. so it's a it's well. A, this is so quick story. Hmm. He was a he was an installer, became a project manager. Now we have five crews, and he's he performs better than anybody else. Yep. Yeah. So I want him to spend time with each crew. Yeah. So
2: he's been a master learner Yes, what you're saying. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
3: and he brought experience from the outside. Like yeah. He's our best equipment operator, yeah. but he's taken that skill to operate the equipment and learn how to operate the team and performs better at yeah. operating his install team. So I, I think that if I leave him in that role, he's an individual contributor, mm-hmm. and I want our company to we're only as good as our weakest link. Yeah. So I want to make him the trainer, master trainer. That's kind of what I was going to...
2: What about learning engagement director or some sort? Is that Not in much? the artificial grass world. This is not insurance. <laughs> it,
0: could be, it could be director of development. It could be employee yeah. success. There's lots yeah. of ways you can cast that that says, you know what, it's, it's a part of a continuum.
3: But I kind of want him to be my, when I get a new hire, that's part of my system is that if he's got some of the best, obviously he's going to have to continue learning all the time, but yep. if, if they learn from him, boy, aren't they after week six set up for a whole lot more success? And then, as we continue to grow, he trains somebody too, and now
2: we have two of those people. But
3: well, it's in, interesting. It's it's interesting. We're talking about this when I'm about to make this mm-hmm. change, and so and much it could impact that. And, decision. And you're
2: not alone. I mean, so much of the work that I do and working with HR departments and teams and the C-suite, like every company has a training, and they right. most likely ninety some percent of them call it that. Yep. So the things we think and do not say is maybe you're. Maybe you're creating something there and calling it that—that that, that is unnecessary and not as effective, mm-hmm. or connected, or efficient with your people, right? Yep. Like absolutely, it's one.
0: As we talked earlier on, the terms we use, the environments we create, whether verbal or not, or explicit or not, create a um, a picture in somebody's head. So when you, when you say, hey, congratulations, welcome to the organization, you can be trained on Monday, that kind of, you don't mean to actively think about it, but you think, well, wait a second, you know, I had a lot of experience when I got here. What is this, You know, I'm not a blank slate. Now, if you can help me move into an organization, become successful in an organization, develop new skills in an organization, wow,
1: you got my attention.
2: All right, right. it goes
1: back to that respect for the learner. Exactly.
2: One of the uh, final ways we, we um, are going to tap into the John Donovan <laughs> persona, peel back another layer, uh, uh, you know, um, layer of the onion. All the analogies. Uh, we're going to ask you to share with us a few of your I, top. I want to apologize
1: to you. Oh, I just finished your songs. <laughs> you did.
2: Like I said, um, tough crowd. It, <laughs> Can you share with us your top some of your top songs? Call it 3, call it 5, top 5 songs you can't live without. Um well,
0: first of all, the format's LP.
1: Yeah, going back,
0: okay? Friction makes music.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Well, um, that, that's more true. Or music some... makes
2: friction. <laughs> Which one is That's it? true. You know, so many Marvin
1: Gaye would flip that. Listen, guys. Podcast we've number got three. Davey here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you.
2: Mikey.
1: <laughs> Tender years. Um, <laughs>
0: the, the uh, You know, uh, I, re- I, lo- I love Crowder House. Ah, Oh, man, um, after my own heart. So, um, you know, so many great. <laughs> And Van Morrison, oh, yeah, he's good. Moon Dance, um, Brown Eyed Girl.
1: I'm gonna listen to some Crowded House on the way home, and I'm just gonna go back. Yep. Keep um, going.
0: Um, Beatles White Album. Oh yeah. And and I like ston- songs
2: that are stories. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, too much repetition. Well, that's the thread um, for you, right? It really I mean, is. You it's look like-
2: about. You think about your childhood memory. Yep. Right. I mean, there's a, a gigantic one of the all time great. Yep events stories right landing of the moon your definition of a goat right i yep. mean all the way up to this
1: is your, not your work surprising. in videos and music videos they creating hey guys, a we story g- we, we got to make a story here there's such an opportunity absolutely and, and and
0: another one of those sort of key events in my in my early development was uh producing or helping to produce some music videos and, and and
2: for garth brooks by the way right
0: yeah did his first video did some George Strait work and others and and, um, and trying to push the creative envelope. Say, so, you know what? We're set. We're lit. We can make this a bit more of a fun story for the, the viewers so that every time they, they come back to it, it's a little something different. And they fought you on this. Oh, yeah. They said, John, this is TV. This is an art. Mm. Wow. That's too bad because you're really cutting yourself short there. And, and then look be.
1: what videos became.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. They,
1: they became movies within movies with stories within stories. Yeah. So.
0: yeah, Well, I think well, think about the commercials you see on TV. Oh, the yeah. The great commercials yeah. are 15 to 30-second stories with a full character development, plot, resolution. Yeah. Geico commercials are fantastic That's right. for that reason. <laughs> That's,
2: it's, it is, and it's amazing, and they're short, and they're captivating, yeah. and I love it. Well, we've got uh, your we're lane. gonna land
1: the southwest Plain here, and uh, we yeah, gotta, we need ten more parts to un- We we, un- we absolutely everything. do, and when and when you're out there, make sure that you train your dogs and learn your people.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, learn them as as you would yep, say.
1: You learn them, John. We really appreciate you taking the time to jump in the, and be with us. In Thank the, you, as John Byers would say, in the bosom of the of the Goat Consulting Podcast. You're now in. You're now in the <laughs> bosom and for Tyler Burnett, the Bosom Mother Goat. And for John Byers and John Donovan and Davey and Dev Digital, I'm Colby Jubenville and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Boom.